Hello, and welcome to the Talking Pharmacy podcast. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and joining me on the pod this week are Rob Darricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, and Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News. It's been a few weeks since we last got together. We're not quite at full strength, though. Uh, Neil Trainus, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist, is sunning himself in Cyprus. So we've got lots to talk about. We won't have good week, bad week. Instead, we'll just pick out some of the pharmacy stories that have grabbed our attention over the last few weeks. So, Rob, let's start with you. Uh, What stood out for you? Hi there, Richard. Uh, I'm going to pick the uh, new England's new chief pharmaceutical officer, David Webb's speech to the Clinical Pharmacy Congress on the 13th of May. It was a very interesting speech. I think generally we we know that any reference to David's predecessor would create a bit of a storm on social media with the with the keyboard warriors. Um, So here's a new chap in the role. Um, Big set piece, full house. Uh, full house in the in the extra auditorium that was set up to, to carry this thing live and he covered a heck of a lot of ground and it was a, a, an extremely impressive performance so just pick out one or two things uh, there's lots of things in there that you'd expect him to say about um, community community well pharmacy's response actually to over the last couple of years um, but things that I'd pick out from it number one, He talked an awful lot about integration. He mentioned that word or variations of that integration, integrated teams, integrated care systems, ICS, an awful lot. Um, And if anybody's in any doubt that integrated care is not important or significant or potentially vital for the future of pharmacy, if not uh, community pharmacy is part of that then they need to read this um and they need to read so we've actually done it for them because we put the whole effectively we put a transcript of the speech on online on all of the uh, uh magazine websites and i've gone a little i've gone a step further in in our june issue i've actually dissected the speech and picked out one or two key phrases and, and key paragraphs and Try to interpret what I think they say. So as well as the integrated care point, which if if this wasn't a first speech, you might say he laboured it a bit, but I don't think he did. Um, He was very clear about this being a speech for the pharmacy professions. He said that probably more than he said either pharmacists or pharmacy technicians. He had a really cute reference to Hub and Spoke, uh, which I thought was was neat. Um, he talked about Hub and Spoke in a hospital context and the provision of um, millions more uh, aseptic uh, products um, and how those moving the production of 4 million doses per annum to 40 million reduced use doses that can be taken out of hospital and closer to home to free up clinical time at ward level. I thought that was a really interesting reference to... Uh, Hub and Spoke, which, given the debate that's currently going on in community pharmacy, I thought was a, a rather neat touch. Uh, there was an awful lot in there about skills. Uh, he highlighted the the three thousand independent, three thousand funded places for independent prescribing this year, um, and he also highlighted um, workforce planning that was going on through Health Education England, 
he he said, I hear the message about workforce pressures. Pushed back a little bit on that, I have to say, um, but highlighted some of the work that is being done and uh, I think flagged up how important it is to contribute to, to, to workforce surveys that are going on so that um, everybody can get a bit of a bit of a better grip on the actual situation out there. Um, he also highlighted some upcoming legislation. So extending the dispensing hours defence to hospital pharmacists. Um, and I think importantly for, for us, uh, regulations to allow the GPHC to set up responsibilities of superintendent and responsible pharmacists. And he promised there will be more to come. So um, I think it was a, a very interesting um, first encounter, I think, with the sector at large in his new role. And as I said before, definitely something that I think people might want to find five minutes to read. And uh, we're giving them, we're giving people lots of opportunities uh, to do that. Yeah, thanks, Rob. I, I agree. I thought it was uh, an excellent speech from David. Very impressive. Covered a lot of ground, like you say. Um, interesting, wasn't he, on skills, collaboration, workforce planning. Um, Rob, does this feel like a bit of a reset to you in terms of the way that NHS England looks at community pharmacy under its new chief pharmacist? Um, I, I'm not so sure about that. What I think it, what I think it illustrated for me, and I don't know whether David was doing this deliberately or not, but I think if you look at the broad sweep of what he talked about, the the, the number of topics he covered, I think it was a it was a reminder that that chief officers within within and across government, whether they're medics or or pharmacists or dentists or whatever, have a very broad range of responsibilities. Um, there's certainly continuity in there in, in what he said about medicines optimization and how that was going to be um, key to everybody's role really going forward. Um, but I I suppose there is an opportunity because it's a, it's a new person in the role to reset if that's what people think it needs. I mean, he's, he's certainly getting out and about um so i think he also presented at the closed door lpc conference uh on or around this time where again i i gather he spoke quite a lot about integration and integrated care um and you know he's he's obviously a different sort of person he said right up front that he intended to be a chief pharmaceutical officer for all mm. members of our two professions to be approachable and inclusive. So, um, you know, I think you have to take that at face value. And if people have got things that they w would like to talk about and they've got things that they think he might see, want to see, then, uh, you know, test that out and see how approachable um, he is to, to, to that. So, uh, you know, yeah, maybe it is. Um, but I think it's also an opportunity whether, whether it's seen internally as an opportunity for reset or not it certainly is a a new face and a new um a new new somebody to be engaged with and uh, he's made a good start i think in that yeah thanks rob really good that and and i would urge our our listeners and our readers to to check out the 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 transcript virtually a transcript of david's speech which like rob said is is on our website it is worth reading in detail, I think. And yeah, I look forward actually to, to reading your piece, uh, your analysis uh, uh, of what he said in the June issue of P3, Rob. I think 
uh, listeners should definitely look out for that as well. Uh, really interesting. Great start. Um, all right, then, Arthur, let's uh, go to you. What stood out for you? Before I get uh, uh, stuck into my story, I'll just uh, comment a little bit on, on Rob's. I, I thought it was a very interesting speech as well. And I thought your question, Richard, about whether it kind of indicates a shift in mindset in the NHS is interesting as well. I guess for our readers, NHS England is it can seem like a bit of a monolith and you don't really know kind of what the uh, what, what the how, where the policy shifts are are occurring but um I mean I did take the opportunity to ask him whether in his view uh, there are too many pharmacies in England because this is a view that's often uh, attributed to to his predecessor in kind of um letters that he, that he wrote to the PSNC uh, back se- several years ago and um uh Webb re- responded that you know it's not for kind of the NHS to 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 dis- decide on that you know the NHS is clear um on what it wants from pharmacies in terms of services and in developing those services but um but it's not a numbers question so whether or not there's been a shift in NHS thinking with uh, David Webb coming in um perhaps it could be um uh a shift in our readers' understanding of of NHS policy, and perhaps there could be some kind of a uh, rapprochement. We can we can hope. Um, but um, yes, I'll get started on my stories. Um, we hear a lot about uh, online pharmacies and the risks thereof. Um, they're often kind of spoken of in terms of a bit of a, a wild west that that regulators are trying to to get a handle on sort of unsafe prescribing. Uh, ha- uh, or of lax prescribing, kind of the the um, the barriers to patients getting sort of certain um, medicines can can be very low, and this is something the NHS or the the GPAT has spoken repeatedly about um, trying to get a handle on. And um, Claire Bryce Smith from from the the G- GPAT also speaking at the Clinical Pharmacy Congress um, uh, comment, commented on this and kind of the GPAT's efforts to. To, 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 to bring them to, to hand. Um, and one of the things she mentioned uh, is that some of the pharmacists working as prescribers for online pharmacies are a little bit inexperienced uh, as prescribers and working a little bit out of their depth. And particularly the demands that are being placed on them by, by online pharmacies um, can be, you know, very significant demands in terms of the the, the volume of prescriptions they're being expected to write, and the conditions, uh, the, the health conditions and the medicines they're they're expected to prescribe. And uh, we reported last week on an interesting case that I think sort of um, uh, bring, re- brings these issues to light. It is a pharmacist who in uh, 2019 uh, was uh, found to have found, found to be writing. Uh, prescriptions sort of far beyond the scope of the the practice that would that would be expected of him he was writing prescriptions for things like childhood epilepsy heart failure patients and um, where where they, they require sort of careful monitoring of, of the dosage HIV uh, patients taking uh, antipsychotics that can be cardiotoxic so um, uh, so, so sort of wor- working well beyond the scope of his practice. An, an expert witness who, who who spoke to the GPHC said no prescriber, medical or otherwise, could have fulfilled all the specialist competencies required to safely and prescri- effectively prescribe the breadth and variety of, of the medicines prescribed by, by the registrant. Although I have to add, there's no evidence that patients came to harm as a result of, mis- uh, 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 of his prescribing. 
Um, the pharmacist did raise concern with colleagues about the the nature of and volume of the prescriptions that 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 the pharmacy was processing, but um, he acknowledged that he. Uh, he continued to work within a system that was flawed. He said that he kind of ultimately avoided raising too many questions because he thought it might might jeopardize his position. Um, and ultimately, he was found to sort of uh, it, it was found he was found to have um, impaired fitness to practice. And so he's been given a, a four month suspension as well as a, a an interim suspension until that comes into effect. Um, an interesting thing about this that it's it's still a li- little bit opaque opaque to me is that um uh the pharmacist was working for uh an overseas online pharmacy as far as i can tell and he was dealing with uh, prescriptions that have been written by overseas prescribers and then sort of transcribing them as as uk prescriptions but they were uh and he and th- this was being done for a UK-based pharmacy that was a community. It's very complicated. A, a UK community pharmacy by day and an online pharmacy by night. So, uh, so it's quite opaque. Sort of why? I mean, these prescriptions were for overseas patients. Why it was being done through this sort of UK channel? Perhaps there are certain medicines that 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 are more. Uh, uh, ex- uh, that, that there are there better supplies of it in the in the UK. I'm not sure, but um, um, I thought and 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 one of the things that, that that the pharmacist mentioned was that he kind of he did have concerns about the, about the some of the medicines that he was prescribing, but he felt that kind of the responsibility lay with the overseas prescriber. So you can see kind of how these um, these kind of very tangled problems can occur and um, and what a, a beast it is for for regulators to get on top of particularly with with that overseas element and you're not kind of sure what's coming from where and for whom so uh yeah I, it, it was an interesting case i thought and and, and one that's still a little bit um uh, opaque to me yeah complicated case uh, very well described by you arthur um Without rehashing the detail, seems to be another example, like you say, Art, of some of the the challenges associated uh, with the regulation of online pharmacies. GPHC has got its work cut out, hasn't it? And just as well, it's voted to give itself a a 20% pay rise. Um, All right, then, my turn to finish. What's caught my eye? Well, it's the future of pharmacy and therapeutics, no less. That have stood out for me, and the future is is heading our way fast. Now, Rob, you've already mentioned David Webb's excellent speech at the CPC, very clearly articulating the direction of travel for pharmacy in England. And we were also at the the RPS UCL School of Pharmacy annual lecture earlier in the month. And wasn't it nice to be back in person at the Royal Society once more, rather than peering at a computer screen. And we heard Charlie Galvin of Amicus Therapeutics, uh, who is chair of the UK Rare Disease Industry Group, speak very eloquently and perceptively uh, about the future of the UK pharmaceutical industry. And I found it fascinating to hear um, how cell and gene and other advanced therapies uh, will revolutionise the treatment of disease uh, especially rare diseases. Incidentally, I didn't know there are around 7,000 disorders that are classified as rare diseases, according to Charlie, and that affects around 4 million people in the UK. So it's a, a major medical and, and social challenge. 
So there was an interesting discussion about in innovative ways of funding research collaboration, you know, to keep the UK at the forefront of genomics and life sciences expertise, where I think there's a good case to say that, that we're uh, global leaders. I'm talking of pharmacogenomics. The RPS, uh, led by Ravi Sharma, director for England, published a, a really good position paper on the subject last week, and that caught my eye. I thought it was well worth a read. And uh, the RPS calls for, amongst other things, pharmacogenomics to be part of the M-Pharm degree and for post-registration education for pharmacists on genomics too. Um, and outlined how pharmacy potentially could have a massive role to play in widening access to, to genomics-based health interventions. Now, personalised medicine just always seems so futuristic to me, but it's fast approaching. And I, I didn't realise, for instance that, instance, that pharmacists working in cancer care are, are already treating patients for gene variants to, to, to determine whether they can be safely prescribed 5-fluorouracil chemotherapy. And there's there's other examples too. And there have been recent calls for, the for a pharmacogenomics consultation service in every integrated care system in England with pharmacists playing a central role. So pharmacy needs to be ready for this and, and we need to be ready to, to play a leadership role because, as I say, the future is fast approaching. Now, incidentally, talking of Ravi, we're not doing good week, bad week this week, but if we were, uh, I'd give my good week to the RPS director for England, who was excellent in front of the Health and Care Select Committee, uh, calling on the government for a pharmacy workforce strategy to try and prevent pharmacists from burning out and leaving the profession. Up to a third of pharmacists are considering leaving the profession apparently, which is uh, extremely concerning. And you can you can catch up with the committee hearings on Parliament Live, well worth a look. And, and Arthur did a great story on, on Pharmacy Network News on this this week. Um, I mean, regular listeners will be very aware that we're often very critical of the society and have been in recent times, but this was excellent advocacy work by Ravi and the team, so, so well done to them. Uh, and just a quick PS, uh, going back to the future, as it were, um, a press release arrived yesterday inviting journalists to the world's first delivery of chemotherapy medication by drone on the Isle of Wight. There was plenty of droning on at the RPS AGM on Wednesday, but drones delivering medicines. It all sounds very HG Wells, doesn't it? But it's happening right now. Um, and I think that's amazing. So, as we've been recording the pod, I've just noticed on my Twitter feed that Ravi has become a fellow of the RPS. So, it's been a great week for him. Congratulations to Ravi, richly deserved. That's it for this week's edition, and my thanks to Rob and Arthur. Next week, as contractors vote on the biggest changes in representation for PSNC and LPCs in a generation, Rob will host a special edition of the pod to look in detail at the proposals of the Review Steering Group. So join him and his panel of guests for that. Until then, thanks very much for listening. Mm -hmm.